I'm Matt Hagman, and this is Opportunity Miami, a podcast about people and ideas shaping Miami's economic future. Small businesses are the backbone of our economy, both here in Miami and around the country. But how to better support small businesses? Entrepreneur Michael Rangel has built a company to do just that and has become one of Miami's tech startup success stories. Novo was recently valued at more than $700 million and included in Forbes magazine's FinTech 50. Rangel, CEO and co-founder of Novo, joined us to talk about the future of tech and small business in Miami. Michael Rangel, welcome. Thank you, happy to be here. Founded in 2016, Novo, launched in 2018, with a focus on small businesses. We sit here today at a more than $700 million valuation. You've raised more than $130 million, included in Forbes magazine's FinTech 50 this past year. Let's start with this. What does Novo do? Great question. Um, Still trying to figure it out, to be (laughs) honest. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. So Nova's focused on creating better business banking products for the economic engine of this country, aka small businesses, but like very, very, very small businesses. If you look at like the history of Miami, this city was built on small businesses. 100%. And the distribution of SMBs here is still incredibly high. I think you've rated like the number two in the top 10 cities of small business density. Uh, recently. Some years it's number one, more yeah, or less. It's so exactly. it's sort of yeah. So it's like we focus on very, very, very small businesses. Many years ago, right, we saw that there was this massive problem in the SMB sphere, and myself and my co-founder Tyler, we had both experienced that problem from our own perspectives, and we were like, something needs to be here to help people kind of navigate this, and so we started doing a little bit of research of. SMBs, what their problem, pain points are, et cetera. And one of the leading causes for business failure was poor cash management. And it was like, mm. hmm, like, yeah, I obviously get it, but I feel like that could be some, that, that could be an area that they can be, get help with. And it should be pretty easy. And we kept like turning over all these stones. And it's like, okay, well, the average business goes to, you know, seven different online portals and then has to somehow piece back their financial picture. And it's like, Ooh, like that, that's so pretty what difficult. Was, so you're a, you're a Miami native, 09 UM graduate. When was sort of that light bulb moment that you and your co-founder Tyler thought, you know, we want to dig into this. We want to start looking into, you know, the pain points for small businesses. Yeah, totally. So, so Tyler and I have known each other for over 12 years now. We met at the University of Miami through mutual friends. I worked in finance before in my past life. And Excel spreadsheets, I knew how to go in and out, like the back of my hand, eyes closed, one arm tied behind my head, like whatever it is you want to say, like I would be able to figure it out. And so I was a head trader at Ferrum Capital and like I would, I would have to work through Excel all the time. And because there were only about 20 employees there, it was very much an SMB by employee count, right? It was large. By, by the way, Fairholm here in Miami. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like after I graduated yep. UM. 
So on one of those days, right, I have my hand in all of these pots. So I'm working with accounting, with research, with compliance, with CS, with all of these people. And one day, for whatever reason, like I was working with accounting, and you have to download your reports from over here, or tweak them in Excel, upload them somewhere over there. And that was literally like the initial kernel of like, huh, like this feels like it could be better. And like, I understand that I can manipulate anything in Excel, but like, what about everybody else? Sure. And that's when I went down the rabbit hole and I found, oh, wow, poor cash management is the leading cause of business failure. Like, that seems dumb. Like, there should be tools to help. Like, this is around the time of Mint.com as well. And it's like, hey, is there a Mint.com for business? The answer was like, no. Wow. Wait, what? So you had this thought. We had this thought. But you decide, and you're here in, living in Miami after finishing at, uh, at UM and you're at Fairhome Capital and decide to go to go to get an MBA in New York City. You never got that MBA because you decided to actually go forward to launch Novo, to launch this business that you'd been thinking about. But sort of that triggering moment to launch this business was actually at a dinner, you and Tyler, at Ceviche 105 here in Miami. What happened? That was an interesting dinner. Very interesting. And I was, I was prepared to be rejected by Tyler, to be honest. But thank God we had a good relationship. And we basically came together and we said, listen, like, if we are going to commit to this idea, we both need to commit and we both need to dive in ahead first. And there's no turning back. I communicated to him, hey, I don't want to do the MBA. I was looking at that as kind of like as an insurance policy. I believe we can use that nest egg and like, let's dive in and launch a business together. And he's like, cool, like, let's do it, right? And I was like, great, one requirement. And he was like, what? It can't be in Miami. Wow. Sitting here in December of 15, can't be in Miami. And he says? And he says, I get it. Because he had been in Miami for many years at that time as well. And in the startup community, all of that stuff. And he understood it because it's a red flag. And I actually still talk with VCs now in both the Valley and New York. And now, like, the tides have changed very much sure. with, like, the evolution of Zoom and all of that stuff. It's more of a reasonable thing. And actually, when I was raising my Series A last year and even the preemptive Series B at the end of the year, it was, instead of what usually would have been a red flag before of, like, oh, you're, you're one of those, you're, you're like a Miami-based company? Like, okay, we're going to have to put that into our underwriting criteria and like, we don't really travel to Miami. It was actually a massive selling You're in process. Miami, like, right. Great. We love it. That's Board where you should on the be. Beach. Like, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, wonderful, awesome. So since then, we've gotten really intentional about, intentional about digging our roots in here. That's so awesome. And we're going to come back to that, about your decision to come back and all, and want to talk more about, too, about when you and Tyler had your first year, New York years, building this, him living on the couch in your apartment and, and all of that. But let's talk about the business a little bit. Sort of what types of businesses, small businesses, are you serving and what do you do for them? Great question. So we service a, a pretty wide array of businesses. From the, the top level, we've grown a lot relatively quickly. We service now over 150,000 small businesses across all 50 How states. How small do they go? I mean, if I'm starting my landscaping company, can I go Very to small. Yeah. Like very, very, very like small. Like two people? So like one It person. could be one person, two Freelancer. people. Freelancer. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole mix to you know, multiple employees. We usually cap out around like 10 or so employees. Above that, 
Um, you, you cap know, out. So you have maximums. Other places, banks that might have minimums, but correct. you must read it well, we have the other way. I mean, it's obviously not yeah. like, you know, if you get this big, you got to go. It's right. more like, we just know that this is our sweet spot now, mm -hmm. right? There is a reality in the future where we do move up, but like right now is like we're focused on this market, which is very much underserved across the nation because of the big banks and their minimums, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because of our economics, we're able to service them profitably um, and build a product that they ha don't have access to anywhere else. Um, so very, very, very small businesses, single owner operators or a few employees spread across a very diverse spectrum. We have everything from nonprofits and travel companies to videographers to chiropractors and dentists to influencers and esports teams. Wow. All looking for kind of that better business checking account. That's what are the, the things that product. makes it different than from going down the street and going yeah. to a traditional bank? So one of the things that Tyler and I were very intentional about in the beginning, right, is like it, it all revolves around kind of like this this poor cash management concept. When you think about banking historically, it's always been in its own like walled garden, right? And they don't want to work with others, whether it be even non-banks, right? Whether it be data companies, et cetera. It's like, cool, here's the tool, right? One size fits all. Matt, you have a widget shop, awesome. Chase your passion, do that. Here's your checking account, you'll figure it out. That's mm -hmm. how it's always been, right? And then it's on you, the business owner, to figure it out. I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna use Stripe for this. I'm gonna use Square dongles to go to the farmer's market to sell my widget. And then I'm gonna, you know, I have to figure out how to do payroll and then vendor payments and all this stuff. Like all of that burden is on you, the business owner. Sure. At Novo, we take a very different approach. We're like, what if we were actually the hub and we were able to connect into all of those underlying tools that Matt already uses mm -hmm. and we're able to centralize all of that data in one place. So all of your tools, Stripe, Square, Etsy, like all of these things are all here. So instead of going to seven different online portals, you can go right here into your checking out. Boom, you see everything. Awesome, get back to work. Wow. Wow. Now, why has this been a sector that's been underserved? I mean, here in Miami, as you talked about, we're among the leaders in small businesses. Why have financial institutions, tech companies, gone in other directions? It's, yeah, uh, it's a great question. And the issue historically was a few things. One, SMBs are so fragmented. You and I can have the same type of business selling the same product in the same city and we could maybe even live next door to each other. That doesn't really matter because we can totally be using 100% different tools to run that business, which would then invalidate whatever the bank did to help connect it. Mm. Right. So that's why the banks have always kind of sat on the sideline. They're like, cool, you, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. We're approaching it in a very different way. And we're saying, hey, we're going to connect to everything. No matter who you are, what tools you use, right, how you work, we're going to figure out how to connect that to make your life as a small business owner easier. So you don't have so much of an admin burden for you to figure out, right? A lot of the onus is put on them because why? Like one of the ways that banks have largely made money is through fees, mm -hmm. right? Total margin business for them. So like they're not necessarily incentivized to change that, right? They don't want to sacrifice that. And so we just have a very different perspective on it. Wow, so you're based here, um, but in terms of your customers, how many are in Miami and how, what are the other cities that you're in nationally? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we're literally in every, like everywhere. Everywhere. Um, all 50 states. All 50 states. U.S. only, and right? U.S. Now? territories, yes, and U.S. US only. Yep. 
Um, obviously, there's density around certain metro areas. We have thousands of customers in Miami. We've always been very intentional about including our customers, mm. meaning can we leverage our customer services for the Nova business, whether it be photographers, videographers, certain types of content creators or different things sure. like that. And we've always had them. Now we have like 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 a like a battalion of like Novo customers that help us do our own work. Right? And that's kind of like this grassroots community that we're building. And not only that, but then they're also doing business with each other. Yeah. And so like that's kind of where the magic happens. One more question about the business model. You essentially sit on top of a bank. As we think down the road, as we think about Novo, I mean, ultimately, do you become a bank? Where does this go? Listen, it's a great question, and it's one that Tyler and I think about all the time and pontificate about all the time. But that is not our first goal to become a bank. What we believe arms us with way more leverage and power and just ability to create value for the world is by strictly being a technology company that sits on top of banks, plural, right? We have a very different approach where the bank that we sit on top of is a small community bank in Boston. Mm -hmm. We have about a few branches. Uh, last night it was like around 50 to 60 employees, really old sleepy community bank. But why? We said community banks have been dying all the time for the last 10 plus years. Right, heightened regulation, holding the small guy accountable to the same dollars as the big guy, yada, yada, yada. Sure. They can't compete on the same level as Chase or City or Bank of America, right? So we said, hmm, that's interesting because this new wave of this new generation is going to go to Chase in search of technology. So what if we just partner up with these small community banks? What if we partner up with them and we become their marketing and technology muscle effectively? And so that's kind of how it worked five years ago and we kind of started working with our bank partner who we've developed an incredible, incredible, incredible relationship with. So you sit here now with more than 250 employees. Uh, how many are here in Miami? Here in Miami, so we're split US based, we're about 80. 80, yep. And then we have the balance uh, overseas in India, all full-time employees. Here in Miami, I think we're about 35 35, and this split is HQ in here, yeah. got it. Cool. And then you have folks, are you remote the, around the rest of the country? Or do you have a group in New York? Or? So we kind of adopted the hub model, right? So like we have a hub here in Miami or HQ here in Miami and then in New York. Got it. More than 250 employees love origin stories. And we touched on it at the outset. After this dinner in Miami in late 2015, you say to Tyler, let's do this, but we got to do it in New York. You guys go, he says, great, I'm in. You guys go up to New York, you have your, your little apartment in, in the city with your girlfriend and Tyler on the couch. What happened next? With what, my relationship <laughs> or, right. or, or this business? was You took essentially all the savings that you had that were yeah. gonna go towards the MBA and instead it was literally seven days a week hmm? building the business either in the apartment or down at the Starbucks down the yep. street, right? Talk about that. Listen, I I have very fond memories of that time in my life because it gave us like a really interesting and humble perspective of the entire thing. Like we we 
build this business in a very different way than like the typical Silicon Valley, you know, high flyer VC backed startup story, right? Like one thing that Tyler and I always joke about. Um, so when we just got on the Forbes FinTech 50, I basically just said, you know, this is great. You know, we're an overnight success, just six and a half years in the making, <laughs> right? It's right. like no one really cares that there's that six and a half years that predicated that. So it was just all about the grind. And it was me and Tyler in a room all the time. And so as like time went on, we were just mind melding all the time. It was just like we joked and even our employees joke like we are the same brain. We just share it. We could be in totally different rooms and we're saying the same thing. We're in agreement with each other. This is actually a really crazy thing and kind of knock on wood, but like Tyler and I have never had a single fight. Ever. Wow. Because we always knew that the other person has the best interests of the company in mind. Part of that is splitting a one bedroom for four and a half years <laughs> with three or four people. I think part of that is an ingredient. The fourth was Tyler's girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this was literally Sunday morning, you're down at the Starbucks or sitting there at you know nine thirty on a Sunday grinding away yeah. at this. And you didn't, furthermore, so launch in sixteen you started the company in 16. You didn't actually launch the product until 2018. Yeah. Do I have that correct? Correct. It's a couple of years in the wilderness. Yep. Building. What did your parents say? Oh, uh, man. And, and why did it take so long? So great question. So I'll answer the first one first. My dad, when I told him, I'm like, hey, I want to leave. And he looked at me, and my dad's like a very reserved uh, individual. And he looked at me, he's like, Michael, there are men that would give their left testicle for your job. And I said, thank you. <laughs> I'm still going to leave. My parents, just like, they're the best parents ever, super supportive, but they were obviously scared. Yeah. Right? Like he's going to, you know, sacrifice. First was leaving Fairholme to go get your MBA, right? And then the MBA, for foregoing the MBA to launch a startup. Yeah. Was that, yeah. Yeah. And your parents' background, your parents came over from Cuba in the 60s. You grew up... My dad came over. My mom was born here, but her mother was also Cuban. So let's talk about now the story about you then coming back. Coming back home. Coming back to the 305. You've launched the product. You've launched Novo. You think you're on to something. This focus on small businesses is a sector that's overlooked, but there's a lot of it. And then, of course, uh, we have COVID arrives... And I think for so many people, uh, COVID prompted this sort of reevaluation, a rethinking about who do I want to spend time with? Where do I want to work? Where do I want to live? And you all started to rethink too, or you first started to rethink. Tell us about that. I'm always like super focused, right? Like there are like three things I want to get accomplished. And like those three things I'm laser focused on. As like the grip of COVID kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter, um, my wife and my co-founder Tyler, you know, they kind of turned to us as we were sharing a one-bedroom apartment in Flatiron in New York City. Now we're four of you. Four now. people. I'm not trying to wait this out here with you guys in this closet of an apartment. And both of them turned to me, and they were just like, "Let's just go back home." And I was like, "It's a great idea. Like, let's go be in the place of beautiful blue skies and space." We ended up staying with my parents for about six months I think during the tail end of that right all of the magic started happening right a lot of the 
the drive that the mayor was getting behind with Silicon Valley and yep. New York and moving the How people here. How can I here. help? All that. Yes. Exactly. That whole movement started happening. And both Todd and I kind of looked at each other and were like, huh. There's something happening. Yeah. Is this actually something? Like, could this be something here? And we just let it play out a little bit more. And then we started getting a small WeWork with just, I, f I think we started like a three-person WeWork. Here, here in Brickell? Here in Brickell. Yeah. Um, just for three people that were here. And we moved like six times in six months because more and more people came here. We hired more and more people. And at that point, we were just like, this is a thing. So not only was Miami becoming a thing, but then Nova was becoming yeah. a thing, right? And yeah. that's what, and now in terms of the growth of the business, how much was that tied to the circumstances we were seeing you know, with COVID uh, and people, whether it's things around the great resignation and people leaving their jobs or people wanting to launch businesses. Talk about sort of the factors that played into the growth of Novo to now as we sit here today as this business valued at more than $700 million. If you go back to like 2020 with the lockdowns and with everyone, like the whole world turned upside down, people were getting laid off, all of this stuff was happening. But usually, I mean, the way that Tyra and I kind of share it is like the Novo business model is largely anti-cyclical. Because if you think about it, when recessionary times hit, layoffs happen. When layoffs happen, you see spurts of entrepreneurial activity. Mm -hmm. 2008, yeah. 2009, that period of time was the highest amount of new businesses created ever in history in the U.S. Until COVID. Until 2021, last year. Everyone thought, oh, COVID, that was one-time thing. Like it's going to plummet next year. Is that right? In our ranking of new business creation, those are our top three. Yeah. Wow. COVID, but then 2021 even beat 2020. 20. Wow. Because whenever things go down, people get to their own devices. When people were locked down at their house and they didn't know what the hell to do, they're like, oh, well, I've always wanted to, you know, build that widget shop. Maybe I'll do it now. Go online, research how to do it research the best places to put their money for their business, how to get a business bank account, yada, yada, yada. And that was kind of like the beginnings of the Novo growth spurt. So we're in this moment right now where it feels like startups, doesn't feel like startups are talking much more about survival rather than growth. Mm. How do you uh, look at this moment and how, as someone who's leading a startup right now, a well-invested finance startup, but how do you view this moment that we're in right now? We pivoted on a dime largely because we didn't have to. We, ha we still haven't even touched our Series B. So it put us in a very strong financial position to kind of weather the storm. That said, the way I look at just kind of all of these occurrences is opportunities in time to help businesses become more efficient. And it's obviously way easier said than done way easier said than done. But it gives you that moment to take a step back, reflect what works, what doesn't work, right? Double down on the things that work while kind of like either totally winding down the things that don't work, but it allows you to reassess and focus. I think that it's just generally good for hygiene as well. So that's kind of what we, what we did a few months ago is we got very like intentional about like, hey, bringing together the leaders, what are we going to do? Why are we going to do it? And how does that then forecast into the future? How is that going to position us 12, 18, 24 months down the line if things keep going south, right? Mm -hmm. We'll still be fine, right? And then here's kind of the levers that we would pull in order to 
extend another 12 or 18 months beyond that, right? Like all of these discussions were all happening and I just think it's overall just very healthy. I think what's gonna happen, which is already happening, is kind of like the pruning of a tree, right? There are a lot of companies out there that maybe shouldn't have raised money. Maybe mm. they were too early. Maybe, you know, there is a lot of VC capital sloshing around. There are all sorts of like different things that, you know, the, and during these times you revert back to the mean. Totally. All right. The state of small business, you have a front row seat for it because they are your customers. You know, there have been lots of efforts uh, over the last 10 years here in Miami around trying to build an ecosystem to support high growth entrepreneurs to have more novos here in Miami. Talk about how you see small business doing right now, the backbone of our economy. And talk about, too, whether we as a community, should we be doing more to support and propel small business while, of course, the work of trying to be a, a viable tech co uh, community in our own right. Yeah, I mean, geez, that is a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I see them as two, like, very different and distinct areas. That is high growth, high growth tech and small exactly. businesses, right? Like right. they are very different and distinct. Two different I'm worlds. Able, exactly. I'm able to. I have you know that purview because of just where we are. The you know we always have to go out and raise VC capital. Oh, you have a better so like purview than most. You have, and you're in both this. worlds. That distinction though usually gets mixed up in a lot of ways. Why? Because a lot of people then when they think small business, they're like, oh, okay, well, that's a Novo. And it's like, well, no, it's not. That's the guy selling widgets. Right. Or that's the guy at the farmer's market, you know, or the woman selling flowers. Right? Like, those are small businesses. But, like, when you're operating at that altitude in VCs, et cetera, when we were even pitching VCs for our Series A, people were just like, we don't understand this market. Right. And it's like, what do you, what do you mean? This is the backbone of the United States of America. That's like literally what this country has been built on. I, that's just what I want yep. to kind of put there first. 100%. So I think there are like two different kind of tool sets to build ecosystems for either, obviously. With where we sit, I think kind of for the small business arena, the biggest gap that we see is just education. Mm. Like helping people do the thing and educating people like why you should do certain things over others. Creating a small business is like very scary for most people. Making it less scary it sounds like obviously overly simplistic, but like that is what we're working on, right? Like it's not that scary. You don't have to pay fees for a bank account that you can do the same thing with that as you can with Nova. And then for like the, the high growth businesses, it's very different. It's just all about connectivity at that point. Yeah. Right? Like what type of value added, you know, players do you have in the market, whether investors, whether press, whether this, are the employee, is the employee pool there? Right, and we've actually been pretty pleasantly surprised with that as well and like our growth and our hiring of people here locally. I think the talent is here, you've just gotta look for it. Right. And that's been a big learning for us and we still haven't found it yet totally, right? But you have massive- But it's getting better. For sure. And of course, the percent. two of you exactly. are from here. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And we found we, Peter here. Find more of you, that's right, Peter Martinez, yeah. an old and dear friend. Exactly. So, like, the talent is here. It's just, like, you got to turn over the rocks, right? Because, like, the, the high-tech industry hasn't been here before. So an important insight that I just want to highlight and be sure is that is, as you look at it, we really need to think about entrepreneurial Miami in two worlds. One, small business, and the other, high-growth tech. And really think, and the needs are different of the two. Do you see? Novo's in this moment. We, as a community, are in this moment. 
you are now back home in your hometown of Miami and going along on Miami now. As you think about Miami, the tech community that has been built now, where do you hope that we go next and what should we be thinking about? Matt, you've asked me some haymakers of questions. Hey, this is fun, <laughs> right, man? <laughs> um, where should we go? So I've, I've had, listen, so like, I'm biased. I'm from here. I grew up here. I have parents here. I have grandparents here. I have all of this stuff here. Like, everything is here. So I'm biased when I say this has everything that any other place has minus some of the surrounding constraints uh, or limitations that those other places might impose, like cost of living, things like that. Well, what I want to see next is I think the mayor has done an incredible job. Like, 100%. I, if, if there was like just the startup of him, like that would be amazing. Totally. Because it's totally. like, wow. Like I'm like, it's just impressive seeing him operate just at that velocity all the time. And that totally. is what a startup needs to do. Kind of like when you ask, like, hey, in those early days when you were going to Starbucks just down the street, you guys were just grinding. Just grinding. Like, day. that's what it's all about. But so we need more of that. It can't just be him, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. And oh, interesting. So, so what we need more of, I mean, beyond more startups, we need more sort of community leaders. Connectors. Or connectors, okay connectors yeah. right and so he's obviously a great connector Absolutely. Um, or else he wouldn't be where he is but like you need that within different verticals you need that within startups you need that within VC you need that within whatever the talent pool mm -hmm. right you need that you need the, you need the cross-pollination of those three verticals to happen in order to build a sustainable kind of ecosystem for the high-tech vertical right you need like the 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 cross-pollination of the startups the investors and the employees to kind of like be built from the ground up instead of you know top down all right so we always like to end with three takeaways to lead to leave people with we've covered a lot of ground here we've talked small businesses we've talked tech we've talked miami we've talked origin story what are three things that you'd love to to, to sort of leave us with as we sort of traversed this, this different terrain in, in this conversation? Take it from me. I've been on a few different sides at this point. I've been in New York. I've spent time in the Valley. I've spent time in SF, all of these things. And now I'm back home, yeah. thankfully, rightfully. <laughs> um, we have what it takes here. We have what it takes. There will always be skeptics saying, oh, that's not going to work, or wait until hurricane season, or whatever other excuses. Every excuse that has always been kind of thrown my way has been disproven over the last you know, year and a half or however long it's been, right? And it's like, we have what it takes to build the ecosystem. Now it's just a matter of being intentional about cultivating it. I am very intentional about doubling down on Miami and literally betting it all, just like I bet it all on Novo day one. Um, Novo is very intentional about staying here, um, and we want to do whatever we can to build that, build that up. Which leads me to my next point, which is if you are a community builder out there and you want to work with Novo or talk to Novo or throw an event with Novo to build our community up together, reach out. 
We'd love to do that. We love investing in our community, and we want to make sure this is as successful as possible. And lastly, I'll, let me trigger, let me prompt you with one, unless you got one. Nah, go for it. Okay, what would you say to that that entrepreneur who uh, is you know sitting at home in Hialeah or Liberty City or down in Homestead uh, and thinking about that business that they would they would love to build, but thinking about you know. What do I do next? What do you say to that, to that person? The first thing I would say is just start small. Literally, you want to start as small as feasibly possible. And one of the things that I mentor a bunch of startup founders, and you know, everyone has the biggest, most aspirational ideas of taking over the world and new technologies. And so I'm just like, cool, that's all great. But how are you going to prove concept right here, right now, over the next? month, two months, quarter, year, etc. Start small because as just a single individual, you have to prove to the outside world to invest in you, whether investing money or time or advice, whatever. Um, So I'd say start small, but then the corollary to that is just keep pushing. You can never stop. Well, A great way to end. Keep pushing. You can never stop. Michael Rangel, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you to our producers, Suzette LeBoy and James Duran. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Check us out at opportunity.miami. We'd love to hear from you.